host, Ryan Anel, today coming to us live from Miami, Florida. Amy Cabo, who I'm going to say is in, right, really is just doing God's great work. She's of servitude in so many different ways, from being a nurse to, to being a listening ear to being a coach. Amy, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And, and, and Amy, I like to start out every one of these shows the exact same way. And you've been through a lot in life, just as I think all of us have. And if there was one lesson that you would share with somebody as right, they're listening in and like, man, if everybody just knew this thing, their life would be better. What would that lesson be from you? Well, I've learned that nobody's exempt from suffering. And I know that we all go through things and there's tragedies and everything. But one thing that I've learned, and even the hard way, is that you need to turn to God. No matter what, don't let the enemy fool you like you did me for a while. Because that's when I fell. And that's when I learned what it was to be without God and walk among the darkness and feel the darkness. And I never want to be there again. Thank God I'm reminded that God loves us unconditionally. No matter what you've done and no matter where you've been. And it doesn't matter who you are. I love that. And, and Amy, I'm, I'm curious, right, as you're sharing, right, the walk in the darkness, if you will, right? I think that's in marketing, we're going to call that the relatability side of things, right? And I think if we can know, right, pieces and parts of that, if you don't mind sharing what that darkness looked like that created the revelation that, right, God is all loving, right? That you got to go through that darkness to see the light sometimes. So what, what did that mean for you? Well, you see, God protects the innocent. When I was seven years old, I had a dream where God appeared in my dream, Jesus, with his arms stretched open, dressed in white, angels around him, singing a beautiful hymn as he descended from heaven. When his feet touched the ground, little kids appeared all around me, and they were laughing, and they were so happy. And they went to hug him, and they said, God, how about me? And he said, come to me, my child. It was then that the sexual abuse was evident when my mother saw me in pain in the bathroom, using the bathroom. Shortly after that, my mother, he was kicked out. He admitted he was wrong, but he came back two days later. And the abuse progressed, the sexual abuse, until it got to the very worst, sodomizing me for every day for a year on my 15th year. That's how long I lasted. And then my mother would beat me. And then there was the emotional abuse. And I went through all that. And at 15, I finally couldn't take it anymore. And I told my sister and all the kids were removed. And then the Nogus came from the Nogus, the case from hell came about. The case from hell that went international. It was four years. But as a result, I became an orphan at 15 years old. The kids were separated. I went through foster homes. I was raped. I went through a relationship where I was beat. I went through domestic violence. I Then I went through 14 years custody battles. And I'd gone through so many things. But as a kid, God protects the innocent. I was very strong. I knew to turn to God. I always did. It was as an adult. As the problems continued and progressed, somehow I started to believe God must not love me. I didn't understand it then. Just like when God, when Christ was crucified, people didn't understand the meaning then. So then I didn't understand it. 
because I felt like I was a bad person. Instead of finding comfort in God, I found comfort in drugs and alcohol. And the more that you harm yourself or the more that you sin, the more you separate yourself from God, the more of a bad person you believe you are. And I quit praying and I believe God didn't love me. And I was giving four diagnoses from the PTSD to bipolar two to depression to major depression to ADD. And I had become a guinea pig maybe five, six different medications, always changing medications, suicidal. I mean, it was the darkest moments in my life when I believed that God didn't love me. And then one day I was looking through Facebook and I found a rosary video prayer. And I said, this is easy, very passive. They pray it for you. It's soothing music. And what they say in between is inspirational. I can do this. And I started doing it every day. And then a little light bulb came in my head. Write your story, the one you were told to write when you were 15 years old. And so I wrote my book, and that was the beginning of my healing process. And it was then that I realized God must love me. Because even though God gave me a beautiful husband and great children and great friends and great pets, and I had everything in the world, but I was so unhappy. It didn't matter whether I was rich or whether I was poor. When I was poor and I had God, I was happy. When I was rich and I didn't have God, I was miserable. So then it's just God is so good all the time. It doesn't matter how bad you've been, how many mistakes you've made. God showed me the way. And I forgot to mention something. The reason I started to pray every day it's because my daughter almost got killed on valentine's day she got a roommate from craigslist he was there for a week then choked her until she couldn't breathe cut her face put her in a coma for 24 days we didn't know if she'd live or die i said god it is your will but if you spare her life i will pray every day and it was me beginning to pray every day that brought me to where i was here and now i don't stop praying every day but writing it all down and come and facing it and coming to terms with what was causing all my bad behaviors, just put everything into perspective. I was able to do the right thing. I was able to get help. My way of thinking changed. I focused on only doing what was pleasing to God or peacemaking. If I get a bad thought or if I feel bad, I just contrast it with something good because see, that's big pocket. He's got to be the first temptation to give you a chance to have faith or to give you a chance to do the right thing. If it was too easy, what would be the point in having choice? So, and if it's a bad thought, there's nothing I can do about, I know it'll pass. It's about having faith. It's about knowing that God will come through no matter what. And um, this thing about I'm not good enough or I'm bad, that's nothing like us. We are made in the image of Christ and we are made for beautiful things and we're made for great things. And you should never believe the hype, just like that song. So, yes, I've been through a lot, but I have so much to share because of it. And I've learned so much and it's helped me become a better person. 
as I try every day, at least a little closer to God these days. Well, and I, I honor you being able to share that story so openly, Amy. I mean, it's, um, it's incredible to, to just bear witness to you sharing it. And I honor the fact of right, getting to share this time and space with you. Like that's, it just, it touches me. So, so thank you for that. Thank you. And Amy, as, as we, as I'm curious, right, looking at the timetable, how long ago did you start to write that book? Right, when? Well, let's see, my daughter was attacked on Valentine's 2016. That was a dark year. And then exactly, it took about a year for her rehabilitation, for her to be able to walk and do things normally to rehabilitate. So it was shortly after that. I started praying right away, but it was when she was well enough that I didn't have to worry about her that I said, okay, um, life has quieted down <laughs> and now it's time to work on me. And so uh, it worked pretty well because working on me for the sake of helping others, because I've always been a private person. Nobody knew my past, not my friends, nobody, only my poor husband. That's why I call him a saint. But I mean, nobody knew. People were shocked when they read my book, but I didn't do it for me. I did it for helping others. But I didn't realize that in helping others, I would help myself. And so that's the beauty of it all. It's when you stop making it about you, when you make life about the next person or the person that you love without neglecting yourself, of course. But when you stop making it about you, that's when life becomes better. That's when life becomes peaceful. Absolutely. And Amy, I, I, I believe in the, I'll say this divine orchestration that goes on all around us. And so I believe there's, for me personally, a bigger reason that you're here chatting with me. <laughs> so I have, I have openly struggled to figure out what God and Jesus and Christianity means to me. I am not an atheist right? At, at all. I wouldn't define that. I don't know that I have a definition for what I believe in. I believe that there's a great energy source. I believe there's a great creator. I believe there's a great something because life is too perfect and too orchestrated to not have it be part of something bigger. But I, I, I struggle with all the minutiae, if you will, of seeing, right, it, as the Bible presents it, I, I can't help the logical side of my brain knows that's been passed down from, you know, different iterations and different conversations and different transcriptions. And that, right, if, if you and I and 20 people played a game of telephone, right, and I told you a little secret in your ear and it just got passed around, by the time I got back to me, it's probably a little bit different than what it was interpreted. And so there's a logic side of my brain that says, like, I don't know that I can connect with this. And there's the spiritual side of my brain that says, Man, Amy, I know, there's something, right. I know there's something that's greater out there. I just, I can't, I can't put the pieces together. And here you are sharing this beautiful story. And it's, uh, I mean, dark, but also then beautiful, right? The light on the other side of it. And so it's, right, I think some of our conversation is, is getting to see more of what, you know, Jesus Christ and God and what that, what that can encompass as it wraps on, on all sides. Because for me, I'll say I'm confused. Right? I don't know what I believe right now. I know I believe in something. I just don't know what it is. I get confused all the time. Life can be like a roller coaster. But the best way to understand someone is to put yourself in their shoes. And when I try to understand God, I realize I'd be very frustrated with people. Mm 
So, <laughs> but if you put yourself in the enemy's shoes, which I call pickpocket because he steals your soul without you even knowing. But if you put yourself in his shoes, like if you try to think like him, you wouldn't give up. You'd be trying all the time. You'd attack that person all the time. The closer they get to God, the more depressed you want to make them. In fact, in the saints who battled Satan, the devil had a saint so depressed, he did not want to pray. And that's a saint. So yes, the more he will try. I mean, if you were a bad guy, you're not going to give up. If you really want to hurt somebody, the same way, if you're God, you're not going to give up if you really love somebody. I mean, imagine how we love others. And God loves us that much more, that much more perfectly. So, I mean, what you say, reflecting on what you say, this, this is so majestic. You really think that us being as human beings in this world, this is some kind of bang result. It just happens because it happens. I don't believe in coincidences. It's too perfect. Nature's too perfect. People, the way that we heal, the way that we think, the way that we are, sometimes it's very similar to perfect. And I mean, our minds are so complicated. Our minds are so intriguing. How can that just be happening? <laughs> of course. There's got to be somebody, some genius behind all this. Um, I rather believe in something than not believe in anything. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I'd rather have God on my side who's omnipotent than be alone on my own. So it's a choice you make. Choose right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love that perspective, right? Like I said, this is not, please don't take any part of my words as antagonistic. It's more curiosity-based, right? Because, again, I have that engineering brain on the left side of me that it's, it's very, right? Like, as I look at, right, the nation of Islam and Judaism and Christianity and that, Right. It's almost like religion in some capacities is creating separatism, which then would mean, right, I'll refer to it as the devil. Like somebody is making it so that there's these convoluted versions and I don't know which one's right or wrong. And I don't even believe necessarily in right from wrong per se, but it's like, and at the end, at the base level, we all love each other. We all care about each other. We all came from some great source. Or why, why do the different religious sectors have to right, create separatism, right? It, I don't know that there is a, a quote-unquote right, right? Everybody wants their religion to be right. Like, this is the way. And it's like, man. Well, right is what the Holy Spirit tells you. It's what you feel. And I'm glad you should mention that because I've seen an increase in people asking for non-denominational churches. I don't blame them. I'm Catholic because I pray rosaries. My kids go to Catholic school and I receive the Holy Eucharist. It's a technicality. But... I saw my priest become political in church, saying the Holy Family were illegals because they didn't have papers when they flew to Egypt. I had to tell him, please know your laws. That's a legitimate asylum case. They were fleeing religious and political prosecution. But that's what it is. Religion is not what it was before. And who's to say my religion is better than yours? I don't think God ever intended that. He just wanted us to love him and love one another. And talk about him and praise him and think about him. That's what any parent would want of their kid. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he didn't expect, um, he didn't expect for that to happen. And even the Buddha religious or the other religions, it's all one God. 
we're all talking about the same thing. I really wish there wouldn't be different religions. I wish it would just be all called the Christian religion. And that's it. That you believe in Christ and you believe in God. And that's good enough. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) We we, we can only dream of a a utopia that would be just that easy, right? But I believe right in in our, our, I'll call it our soul's evolution, right? That is, we keep coming back and experiencing more and more things that eventually, right a day far away from a time you and I will ever see in this lifetime, that I think that's possible, right? When you look at how we progress as a society, maybe it's a little too altruistic, but I, I just look at it like, and we're all ascending towards something. We all want something greater and better and greater and better is not necessarily money and wealth and fame. It's right. To me, I believe that we're all put here truly in a sense of servitude. The happiest I ever am are when I'm serving somebody else. And it's always been that way. My entire so life. <laughs> Don't think it's too altruistic. Remember, in the news, we always see the worst. When we find out about something, it's always the worst. People don't tend to focus on the positive things. They really focus on the negative things. And that's what we see, which could be a little bit disheartening. But you'd be surprised how many good people there still is. Even if there's more bad people, it doesn't matter. The good people make up for it. So there's still a lot of good in this world. And that's very hopeful. I actually was talking to somebody who said, most people are good. Most people. And at one point when I was a kid, I thought most people were bad. <laughs> yes. What? And I believe that personally, right? That man, if you will, right? Human beings are inherently good versus evil. And even in some iterations of different religious, you know, uh, documents, it's there's the version that man is good or the version that man is inherently evil. And it's like, I think we're good people, right? If I, if I see someone that's struggling, it's my it's my gut response to want to help them because I believe we we're all just mirrors of one another, right? I don't think that there's something that's different. Like you've had your own life experience, but when I see a human being in pain or suffering, I want to help them, right? I don't think I'm alone in that. Because God is in you and you're seeing that person through Christ's eyes, not our own thinking or our own ways of seeing things. That's when God is working through you. And then you're thinking and seeing it in his way because we are capable of that. That's why we're made in his image. So if you really want to, we can behave and think in a good way. We don't have to entertain negative thoughts. We don't have to entertain negative gossip. We don't have to be disparaging of others. We can be tolerant. We can be loving. We can be understanding. And most importantly, we can be forgiving. When I think that, I think that F word is the most important, right? That, that word of forgiving, right? Because it's, it's so easy to want to cast dispersions on other people, but realize that anytime I've ever been mad at someone else for something, I guarantee I've done it in my own life. I guarantee that it's something that I have also done. And it's just triggering that response of getting really mad at myself for not yeah. handling it the right way before, right? It's, so forgiving that person is really like forgiving myself for the things I didn't do the right way in the moment that I didn't do them yeah, to the best of my ability, I'll say. That means you're in, you're in good shape. If that's your biggest temptation is getting angry, (laughs) (laughs) you're in good shape. But yeah, that's a very big temptation. I suffer from the same thing. (laughs) Yes, my friend Amy, this is not always my story, right? Do I I have a guilt trip after that? (laughs) (laughs) But that just shows you're human, you know, and 
you have a soul and a conscience. So mm-hmm. feel good about feeling bad about it. <laughs> That's such a profound way to say it, right? Feel good about feeling bad about it. I love that. <laughs> so Amy, wait, at what point in your you know evolution did you decide to get into nursing? Right. I mean, you had experienced that that trauma and some of the pain that goes on right from your, your childhood and all those things. Well, I always wanted to help people besides my parents being doctors. I mean, as a kid, I wanted to help people. I wanted to be a saint. Of course, that's a little unrealistic now that I'm an adult and I, and I realize what it takes. But as a kid, I, you know, and then um, I thought I wanted to be a doctor like my mother. But my mother said, doctors aren't worth it, become a nurse. But nursing wasn't something that I was so adamant about, except for when I was in custody battles and they were calling me crazy and I'd been abused and I must be broken and I'm a monster and I'm all this and that. And I thought the best way to prove to the judge that I'm not all those things is to go to school full-time, graduate honors and graduate a nurse. So I I did that and um, it was pure survival. But I really don't care how I'm helping people, whether it be in nursing or in uh, our re- or medical research or just being a life coach or talking to them. It doesn't matter what job God puts me in as long as it's helping people. Yeah, I love that. And Amy, when, I'm always curious about the medical research side of things, right? I'm curious. Like, that's a, that's a passion of mine, right? I call it biohacking or life optimization or really solving problems that we've kind of created for ourselves, right? I look at in, in some capacities. Are you able to clue us into some of the medical research you've been involved with or in the process of, of being a part of? Well, I, I'm the president right now of the medical research company, which basically what we do is an advancement of medicine. So when somebody uh, has gone through medicines where they grow uh, resistant or is not working or the side effects are, are horrible. We're, we're the last phase where they get to try a medication that actually works, especially if they can no longer afford it. They get reimbursed. Um, they're closely monitored and watched with um, diagnostics and tests and documentation. And so basically we're it before it goes into Walgreens and we could also follow up with the patient and, um, and help them with something that actually works. Like right now we have an Alzheimer's medication that actually cures Alzheimer's, but it's not yet available, but we're doing it in our studies. Now we have a second aspect of our business, which is called Neurosciences Center, right? And that deals with, you know, we do ketamine infusions, you know, for... PTSD or depression. And, um, you know, it's, it's basically the mental aspect of it, whereas the IMIC is the physical aspect of it. So we understand that when somebody's suffering physically, they're also suffering emotionally or mentally because of it. So we wanted to cover all angles. And um, so that's my daytime job. That's what I do during the week. On the weekend, it's my radio host job. And I basically, um, it's basically deals with suffering. Nobody's exempt from it. They've suffered before. They're suffering now or they will suffer in the future. It's going to get you one way or the other. So um, I just get like uh, testimonials, beautiful testimonials and experts in the field, people that can give good advice, education, uh, 
say something that might be comforting to someone else, let someone else feel that they're not alone. And I cover everything from mass, shoot mass shootings to child exploitation to um, suffering from not sleeping well and sleep disorders. I mean, anything that you could possibly suffer under the sun, whether it's a condition that, that it's continuous, that you can't get rid of it. I've had guests that suffer pain every day, but they've learned to, to live with it and they've learned to be content. And, um, and I just want to try to give those tools to people so that when they're suffering, they know that they can help themselves because medication only works 35% of the time. And the psychiatrist is only there when you see the psychiatrist. So what do you do with the rest of the time? So it's basically looking for a new approach that's not conventional. And these are different healing methods, whereas my healing method, and I always talk about it, is God. <laughs> because right now, even though I took five or six different medications at one point, I take none now. I don't have any depression or create or any symptoms. And I don't know how I got four diagnoses, but God is a miracle. You know, my brother who's homeless called me one day and said, I'm homeless. And I'm like, wow, it's good to hear from you. And he said, you know, but I'm happy. I found God. And I'm thinking, how in the world? Well, yes, I've suffered from depression and now I don't need medication. I don't suffer from depression. I found God and I'm thinking, how are you not depressed being homeless? I tried to help him, but he wouldn't take it. And I thought to myself, that can't possibly be. He, maybe he went crazy. I didn't think I could be without medication. I didn't think that was possible. But lo and behold, he was right. It's possible. Anything's possible with God. He's even cured cancers. Why wouldn't he cure us? And he made us all equal. So he doesn't love any one of us any less. Neither should we love ourselves less. Oh, that, that, that's, you said so many profound things there, Amy. Like I, I just appreciate being in your brilliance. And there's so many questions I have. First and foremost, if someone that's listening wants to tune into your radio show, how could they do that? To listen to my show, you mean? Yes. Well, it's, it's syndicated about over, I don't know, like over 20 stations or, or things like that. And, um, you know, the way that they can listen to my radio show, because it's syndicated over like 20 or like 200 stations. So the, the way that they listen to it, they can go to goddessthecure.com and you can listen to it live there. Also, I have an app called The Cure. And they can listen to it live there for any smartphone, Samsung, iPhone, you name it. And um, just any podcast player, any anything that plays podcasts. And you'll see, you can either listen to it or see it as a video. Even if you play the video, you can still just listen to it. And you can see it live or you can see previous shows. Beautiful. I appreciate that. Thank you for that. And then as we talk about the mental aspect, right, and you being on the cutting edge of medicine, have you guys had much research or, or interactions with right, the MDMAs of the world, the LSD microdosing, psilocybin to help overcome PTSD? Or is that right, some of the psychedelic modalities that are showing right, really, really phenomenal results, at least in the, in the veteran community, right, of being able to help really just show 
how it's increasing neuroplasticity, essentially, right? It, it's breaking that trauma feedback loop. With well, yes. As for example, the ketamine infusions, it's it's highly successful with suicide with people who are just at their very worst. And it's immediate. It works immediate. And from personal experience, you just feel like completely relaxed. You feel comfortable in your own skin. You feel like God is hugging you. And whatever you felt was horrible, all of a sudden you see a bigger picture. You understand so many things. You're just floating on air. And then you forget it all when you wake up. You just know you feel better. <laughs> I love so, uh, Amy. I'm a big fan of, of plant-based medicine, right? Ayahuasca and psilocybin and LSD in very controlled, right? I'll say clinical settings, right? This is not an encouragement to go out and just randomly partake in different drugs. But with the, all the advancements that are happening in medicine, I think there's so many brilliant things that we're just on the on the precipice of seeing. Where some of this, some of the right, the, the mental trappings that social media has created and the comparison is created, and like you said, the not being enoughs and and things like that, at least to get people back to that base level so that they can be open to experiencing God, right? I think sometimes that gap seems so big because you're so far down in the hole that you couldn't even imagine how, right, some mystical power could ever pull you out that if you can at least get back to, you know, baseline, then that becomes a real reality for people. Yeah, because it's like a break. You get a chance of being in that mystical power. And I've tried almost every drug except for heroin but as far as the psychedelics are concerned that's when i was younger and that's something you do every once in a while just like the ketamine infusion it's something you do every once in a while it's not like cocaine or alcohol that you want to do it more often and so yes when i was doing psychedelic drugs i felt like it was opening up my mind and even i mean even when i was high on anything i was talking about god and feeling i was close to god doesn't mean it's good but <laughs> just because i was reaching but um i i, I think that it can be helpful in in times that there's a crisis just like the ketamine infusion uh, you do if you open your eyes in the in the blindfolds a little bit you could see things you could hallucinate you know, you could see things a little bit and, but you just, if you can learn to stay relaxed, it's fine. And it's, it's not something that gives you a bad feeling afterwards or as long as it's controlled and it's done in the right way. I mean, anything you can do to an extreme is not good. And this are not one of these things that you do to an extreme. No, I completely agree. Right. My, my, my tool of choice, if you will, in that realm has been ayahuasca. Right. And the, the people that are, are, are worried you're going to be able to use this recreationally, it is such a ritualistic and deep and, you know, purging type of experience that it, I could never, it's not a party type of drug. Like I'm not looking for to well, drink ayahuasca. What is ayahuasca? What is yeah, it? Ayahuasca ends up being the, the root of a tree and the leaf of another tree that are, uh, you know, distilled down into right, kind of like a tea. And it's indigenous to Peru and, and South America. Like, it's like mushrooms. Because I did mushrooms when I was a kid. It, it's comparable, right? It's, so the, the primary component in ayahuasca is dimethyltryptamine, right? DMT. Okay. Except it's a very slow, long release. So it's about six and a half hours. And you have a shaman there. And it's, right, it's, there's a lot that goes on, right? You're, you typically vomit or have diarrhea because you're, some of this energy that you've, you've held on to, some of those beliefs that you've held on to for definition, it's got to come out from you somewhere. And that's one of the ways it comes out. And so, yes, it's kind of 
like like you know psilocybin magic mushrooms but a little different right it's not so readily available here in the united states and it certainly needs a much different set and setting to to be able to navigate those waters oh that sounds very interesting <laughs> i'm not that gutsy anymore i just do the easy stuff <laughs> <laughs> sure the deep the deep internal work that you consistently do on yourself that's that's now the quote-unquote easy work right helping other people is the easy part Yes. I mean, I hope so. I mean, it comes easy to me. I like mm -hmm. it. Um, what, what's really hard is, is, is just not being able to be there when I feel helpless, when I feel there's nothing I can do. And I just pray and pray and pray. And that's, that's the difficult part. Of course, there's also daily life and daily problems and daily struggles. And you know, but they're awesome opportunities to do the right thing, to fight that temptation, to not just do what's expected of you, but go that step, extra step, and be fantastic and do a great thing. Those are wonderful opportunities to say, God, I trust you, and I know you've got this, and I don't care what the enemy does to me because I know you're bigger, and I know you're better. And I know that this will pass. And I know that I have the whole life ahead of me. All the time. Not all the time. But a lot of the time. My first thought is a stupid thought. Or my first action is going to be a stupid action. Aha. But this is what happened. When I got a relationship with God. And I grew close to God. I learned to think. Mm -hmm. I learned to think before I act. Mm -hmm. I learned to think before I say. And I've gotten so much smarter. That's so beautiful. And, and Amy, speaking of thinking, right, I'm curious about what's coming next for you, right? What's on the horizon that you're looking forward to in the next, you know, six months or a year? What's, what's next? Because of the book, we have the radio show, we have, right, the, the medical research, we have nursing, but right, what, what's coming in the future? Well, I, I take it day by day. I focus on making today the best day possible. But if I were to think ahead in the future, I say wherever God places me. It doesn't matter if I lose it all today or if I'm gone tomorrow or if I'm, in a, uh, I'm famous or if I'm in a better place. It does not matter. What I want for me in the future is to know that God is still in my life and I can be that person for others. I love that. It's, it's so beautiful, Amy. And Amy, as we, as we I'll say, put a bow on our time together, as far as the listeners are concerned, if you wanted them to remember you by, by one edict, by one thought, by one piece of brilliance that you bestow upon them, what would you want them to remember you by? Uh, it's hard. I never really think of it that way, but I don't know. I guess they want, I want them to remember me by someone who always saw the bright side of things, always um, looked for, well, this is going wrong, but at least that, or just, it doesn't matter if you're stranded in an island, oh, let's have fun until we get rescued, <laughs> um, you know, or just the person who just, there was no, I can't, but I'll try then maybe you can say I couldn't. I, I want people to know that I'm one of that person that does not give up and always wants to be there for people. 
I absolutely love that. And, and Amy, as we talk about real quick, I'm, I'm curious in your life coaching business, are you currently accepting new, new clients? Do you have space for new clients? And how can someone potentially become a new client? Well, everyone can become my clients because I love people. So I accept everyone and anyone. Um, so you mean as a guest, all they have to do is um, go to goddesssecure.com and they can, they can contact me through the contact form and, and let me know their story and if they would like to be a guest as far as the medical research aspect is involved if they have any medical problems, whether it be psychological or physical, they can um, contact us the same way or call us and we'll see if we have a study that would fit their needs. Amy, thank you so much for your time, your brilliance. I'll say your heartfelt beauty, right? It, it, you're just such a, a, a breath of fresh air and your smile is contagious. Thank you so much for, for, for being a guest on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a beautiful day and God bless.